You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. Did you just press the record button? I did. So that means we're recording a podcast. Right now. In fact, we're recording a podcast. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty warm now. Yes. It's pretty cold in here. It is usually. Why is it so frigid here in the studio? I don't know. I don't know if it's just because there's not enough activity. The door just shut. Or if it's hooked. But like there's mat- all sorts of room for activity. To, well, it's close to the warehouse. So much room the for activity. Is cold. Yeah. But yeah, it is frigid in here. So yeah. Man. Welcome back for another Rogers podcast. It's that time again. We keep cranking them out. Mm-hmm. Again, we got Josh Peck here from uh, Outdoor Limits. He's down the road. We're just going to keep inviting him back up so we can knock out this season of Waterfowl podcast. Um, yeah. And have some good topics and different point of views. It's hard to get guests in the studio that are from out of the area since traveling is yeah. still. Yeah, it's still still a pandemic out here. Yes. Indeed it is. It doesn't feel like it, though. It's kind of become the new normal. Yeah. And now it's still, I, I forget <laughs> a mask every time I go somewhere. I have oh, to go back the to the truck and get it. It is the worst, man. I love being in Nebraska, though, because you didn't have to wear a mask. Really? No, yeah. outside least, of Kansas City here in Missouri, most oh, places right. you don't. I forget about that. Yeah, I went to, uh, yeah, I went heading out to Colorado. So most of the places we stopped in the middle of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't, it wasn't a, wasn't on the, the door. But yes. Anyways. Enough of that nonsense. So that what kinda, are we talking about today, boys? That kind of leads us right into what we're talking about. Yes. I mean, some guys, some guys listening, you guys have already started your big duck season. But we're talking about preparing for our duck season, and we're preparing for a duck season in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So there may be some interesting topics to go over that, mm-hmm. you know, this is different than next year. It's got it. It's going to be. I mean, we can talk about how the weather's looking, how the bird migration is looking, and all that stuff, but it's going to be a different feel for hunting this year, 100%. Mm-hmm. So we dive right into that, I guess. And we have seasons starting in two weeks. Yeah, basically. Roughly, maybe a day o- or two. October 31st for me. October yeah. 31st. I think it you. depends, too, where you're at in Kansas yeah. or Missouri. I mean, Missouri, there's huge seasons this weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have north zone, middle zone. South zone. South zone. So, um, but yeah, a lot of places have started their regular. Have you noticed season. anything yet, Josh? I haven't been out enough to know. I mean, I've only been to one season opener, and the rest of them just kind of been during the middle of the week. So it's hard for me to tell. But there's definitely people out hunting. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, did you you didn't go opening teal. No, you I went, went the, the week, second weekend. The weekend, yeah. yeah. I went opening teal and saw a. I was impressed. Yeah, I saw an astounding, a, a huge amount of a bump up in the area that I've, you know, was hunting. It's just the amount of people mm-hmm. and amount of the hardcore guys. I was really impressed. I, you know, saw some really cool utility trailers with kayaks and all sorts of fun stuff. Stuff I've never seen in this area. Just people rolling in. Now, the place had teal. And, you know, props for these guys for scouting. But it was packed at like probably 2 a.m., and teal season, I've never done that. I mean, no. big duck season, yeah. You, we don't go to sleep. We're there at midnight or ten o'clock the night before. Mm-hmm. You know, to get you know, and we're, we're talking. I'm talking about public land here, and I think that's we might have jumped back past that. But yeah, teal season, I saw a little bit of it. Tons of people. They ended up hunting pretty darn close to each other. More parties than I thought could fit in that area. Um, but it was just, but it was kind of cool to see. Just the rigs and everybody, you know, out there getting serious about it. So I'm curious to see what big duck season has coming up, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about. Yeah, I mean, even the dove opener this year for me, I was amazed with the amount of people that were in the field before I was. Yeah. Like, you couldn't find a spot in the field. Yeah, you said you scouted, found a place to go, you wanted to go here, and then things changed. Things changed. We had a couple issues that morning, and we got to the field a little later than we wanted to, but... Even then, I didn't expect that many people to be in that one field. Yeah. So I think things could be definitely a little bit different this year with people working from home. There might be some more people out during the week. So, um, yeah, working from home is a whole whole new ball game for a lot of people this year. Imagine being able to, to work from home 
Um, work from your phone. Work from your phone. In a and, duck blind. <laughs> or, okay, so not even getting to the duck blind part. Like from your vehicle scouting on binoculars. You know, how much, how much time on the road you could have working from home with binoculars, you know, looking over a marsh. And there was air quotes on that too, yeah. working from home. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine that, you know, we talk about getting out there and scouting is important. And, and, and it's a, a huge part of being very successful and having a great hunt. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time now that some people can get out there and get out on the, on the roads and find these places or figure out exactly where they're going. You know, some people might have their favorite spot, but maybe a good amount of people might find their favorite spot this year. Yeah, that's true. I just, my hope is, you know, yes, it, it's great to have everybody getting out and hunting. That's that's a given. But my hope is that, you know, people get out there the first three or four weeks and then it kind of starts to fizzle out on the public land scene when things kind of start to heat up a little bit. But that first cold front's going to roll through with that Arctic blast and get fresh birds in and everybody's going to be right back at it. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard to say. It's hard to say what's going to happen. But bringing it back around to what we're going to talk about is, like, how do you guys get ready for this season? Like, what kind of preparations do you do a month before, two weeks, the night before? What do you guys like to do? I I guess it starts with a mental checklist and then re- maybe writing that down or making a list on my phone and then locating everything. I I I try to keep most of my gear and everything halfway organized throughout mm-hmm. the off season, but I think towards the end of the season everybody's completely exhausted, grizzled and just worn out and I don't know that everything gets put back in its proper location. It gets somewhere close maybe. But I guess locating everything first and foremost. Then I go from there. Chandler, what do you do? I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm a uh, I'm a shopper, I guess. I know where my decoys are, and I know where all my stuff's at. All your gear, you know where everything is, calls, headlamps. Pretty much, yeah. Gloves, stocking caps. I know where it, it is, but I'm not saying, well, I know where it should be. Exactly. See, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's I in just the garage find somewhere. Everything. But it's somewhere in the garage, maybe in the corner over there. But I end up like doing a mental checklist and then buying things that I think I want that year. So like this year, I probably could scrounge up and find some some spinning wings and get them working. But I'm just gonna go buy a couple new new mm-hmm. ones. Um, I know where probably six to eight dozen duck floaters are, but I want new ones. Um, so that's not it's not fair. But usually, yeah. you, I mean, I'm pretty. Everything has their spot, but organized, not necessarily. Everything has their spot in the shed. Mm-hmm. It's a big corner piled up. And I'm pretty good at finding stuff. Um, but other than that, I mean, I prepare maybe a, f- a few nights before. I don't know if I've I, – before. So in the past, I started getting things ready in August when Waterfowl Weekend would start. And that was mainly decoys. I'd pull them all out. I'd check rigs, wash them off, put them back in bags. Because by the end, sometimes by the end of the year, we didn't even hardly bag anything. I know some of our last hunts on some of the years were blizzard, freezing, you know, ice everywhere. You know, you're covered in icicles, and you just the fastest you can get out of there is the, the best. And mm-hmm. so, things like half the decoys are bagged, half of them are just thrown in a pile, and that's kind of how it looks for the whole year until usually until about August, and then that's when I, I kind of, and the reason I do that is because I want to see what I need to get or add to or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll just go through the checklist and, and kind of see how the decoys are doing, find rigs, um, all that stuff, and uh, move on from there. Josh, do you wash your decoys off? I don't. You don't? No. I, I don't see a point in it because they're going to get muddy again. Mm-hmm. When I wash my decoys, it's with marsh water. Just... The next time you use them, if they're filthy, just scrub them off a little bit with your hand and call yep, it good. Yep. Pretty much. There's no point. They're going to get muddy again. Mm-hmm. But I like to generally get a good inventory on things July or August because, like, I have to get stuff out to make videos. So I'm doing all these preseason. Here's how you rig up your decoys or here's some decoy spread things. Just, like, random, like, tip videos. So I'm digging through my trailer, finding stuff in the shed or in the garage, trying to make these videos. So by the time duck season comes around, my stuff's scattered. Like, I can do as much organization after the season 
to like get everything kind of put back in its place. But by the time season rolls around, it's kind of like, I don't know where half my stuff is. I guess it's inverse what I thought it would be. Um, one thing I, I do that I just thought about is I get my calls out earlier. Mm-hmm. A lot earlier than any I mess with anything else. So the call is kind of, when someone talks to me about duck hunting or something like that, usually that I'm looking for my calls or something because we're on a topic of new duck call or how do I, how do I blow this on a goose call or whatever. It kind of, the topic comes up and then my duck calls come out and then they sit in my passenger seat for a while. And that's, they've been out for since teal season now here. So I've had them out for over a month and uh, that's what I kind of, I start messing around with those, make sure they sound good and, you know, making sure. Do you clean them all? No. No. (laughs) Do you clean those? I know Bobby. Hayes from Ducklander has told us that it's important to clean your calls, check the cork, and it is all important. that good. Yeah. I don't know that I've cleaned mine in a couple of years. I've never cleaned a duck call. Yeah. But, I mean, after what they go through, I probably should. Between the, I mean, just everything you eat and drink goes down the barrel, and I I know I've dropped them in the marsh. <laughs> yeah. I Lord only knows what it would look like if I pulled it apart, but. It's important this year in particular, to clean your calls after every hunt. Mm-hmm. Get your get your little disinfecting wipe. Don't want to be spreading that COVID to your yeah. buddies. Yeah. If, I, if I've dropped them in the marsh and then put them back up to my mouth, I'm sure I've had worse things. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, this past week when I was hunting, I uh, took my waders off, put them in the bed of the truck, ate some lunch, let them dry out a little bit, picked them up, and underneath my waders was like a big pile of these red little bugs. Oh, yeah. I was like, you could how tiny, really tiny, like really small. You could see the legs and stuff on them, but the amount of those that were on my waders was crazy. Yeah, imagine what ended up in your duck call. Yeah, yeah, you're still here. (laughs) Yeah, you're still here. But that was just on my waders, though. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm pretty bad at some of the prep. I mean, it's it's usually two nights before Mm -hmm. is the start of like opening big duck. Two nights before, things get pulled out. Do you have it, Do you have like a specific spot that yeah. you keep all your stuff? Yeah, and it's all like okay, my elk hunting stuff's all to here, and then my camping stuff, and then my deer hunting stuff is all separated. And then the waterfowl stuff is the worst treated stuff, but it gets shoved in the shed. I mean, I'm talking bags, decoys, chairs, blinds. It's all together in a pile because that's what we usually do. Yeah, when we get done with the hunt, it's just all this goes over here, and we're done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have, like, a closet, and one side of it is big game, and the other side is waterfowl. I have two shelves in an extra bedroom. One entire shelf is all big game, you know, deer, turkey, elk, whatever, and then the other shelf is just waterfowl. So that's as far as organization on those shelves, yeah, good luck, but... Everything is on a shelf or everything is on one side of a closet. Yeah. I I think at one time I really tried to keep good care of my waterfowl gear. I'm talking soft goods. I'm talking backpacks and whatever. Just keeping everything, you know, out of the elements. But after how much I found out that waterfowl tore up my stuff, I kind of gave up hope. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's, you know, it gets so nasty. You don't even want to bring it into a house. Or maybe even your garage. You know, some of that stuff is so terrible. You don't even want to, you know, track it through the garage and, and dirty everything else up. Um, so it's kind of, it kind of lives in a shed. And I probably two nights before I pull it all out and just kind of go, okay, yep. And then usually it's probably last minute things that we need to figure out. I buy another 12 pack of rigs just to cover all the ones that might have broke or lost or we took off and did something else with something. You know, who knows what we, throughout the season what we do. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a two-car garage, and one side my wife parks on, but the other side is my side to do whatever I want with, and that's usually where I prep everything. So I got my boats in there and all that, but what I like to do is take everything that I'm going to take on my hunt that I'm going to throw in the bed of the truck and just lay it out on the floor in the garage to be ready. So decoys, set them down. Bag. Okay, we'll go through the bag, make sure we got everything. And it's... Especially important for me because I've got so much other stuff to worry about with camera gear that I tend to forget a lot of things. So being able to lay things out is really important for me. 
just to kind of run through that mental checklist before the hunt and even the night before just to make sure everything's there do you guys have a spot that you just like lay everything mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. yeah the night before uh you know my old house we had a I had a mud room and uh basically everything you know in like clothing and, and maybe all that stuff waiters were always in the basement um everything kind of got pulled out what i was going to wear and everything was just kind of pulled out and ready to go and stage now big duck opening big duck is different because we don't even go to sleep we'll probably get home from work and just start packing um but after that you know any type of other hunt after that i think the night before i all get pulled out right to one area so it's i just got to go to one spot you know grab the base layers and stuff i'm going to wear and then just everything right there goes out the door and all my checklist is done the night before so I don't have to think about anything in the morning because I will figure it in the morning because you know, I'm just not all there first <laughs> no, thing. <laughs> I'm not a morning person either, and I've got to have coffee to get my head right. Now, I think it's a little easier to remember things at the beginning of the season because you're still excited. Mm-hmm. But as that starts wearing and you start getting lack of sleep and it's a mental grind, I think it becomes more of a just a habit than remembering everything. But I do know that as the season goes on, especially, you know, Thanksgiving through the last month of the season, a lot of stuff just lives in my truck. It doesn't even make it into the house. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the, the the shotgun will, but other than that, just a lot of gear just stays. Oh, other yeah. Other than whatever you have to charge, whether it's water motion or spinning wings. But at a certain point, I just it stays in the truck because it's either filthy, soaking wet, or I just get tired of dragging it back and forth, or I keep forgetting something and finally decide it's just going to live in the truck. And then by the end of duck season, how does your truck look? Um, I try to keep it pretty clean, but recently I haven't. <laughs> I've been on the road so much. I mean, you open the back door to my truck, you'd be like, yep, you've been hunting. Yeah. I got a case of shells back there, some ratchet straps rolling around, tool bags. How does your vehicle look at the end of hunting season? Most of my vehicle all year round looks like a train wreck. <laughs> uh, and it's, I, I have so many activities, but uh, duck season yeah, like you said, like sometimes we we hunt every morning some some before weeks. work here. Yeah, my truck doesn't change. It's like you have blinds, decoys, chairs, sled, d- decoy dolly, whatever in the truck, strapped down. It goes home. It stays like that. Tomorrow morning goes right back out. So that's kind of what it looks like for a long. And then it might not be till March where I actually take it out of the truck too. Um, and there's times where for like weeks it's not dry. Everything is just soaking no, wet. No. Yeah. Yeah. Got the grinding. <laughs> I I will say, you know, I I have a pretty good I can have a pretty good checklist the night before, you know, I go through the essentials, you know, like one thing, have a chair, you know. Mm, that's have a, a chair yes. for everybody who's going. Have a chair roll call the night before. Do you have a marsh seat? Do you have a chair, a chair of some yeah. sort? And usually if someone doesn't have one, I'll just go grab whatever else I got available because, you know, these little turkey folding chairs or whatever, we find something that'll work, even though mm-hmm. it's not a, the best Mars chair in the world. Mm-hmm. But chairs is like an essential. Obviously, you can't forget your decoys. Yes. I don't know if anybody who has. Mm. I don't think I've ever had. Like the, I've, I've left the house and gotten halfway to my spot and realized I forgot my waiters. Okay, that's... Never, never decoys. Yeah. That's, I, I've never forgot my waiters. I can see it happening, but that's like a big, yeah, that's the essential checklist. Pull the waiters out. Have a chair, get all the clothing. I'm pretty good at picking and grabbing the, the proper amount of clothing if we're talking base layers to mm-hmm. mid midweights to the top layer or whatever for that day. You know, we're, we're all checking weather and winds and all that stuff. So we're pretty up to speed on that. My biggest issue is forgetting headlamps or misplacing headlamps. I, I seem to either put them in waders or put them in different jacket pockets, and I need to get. I need to get about six and just so, yeah. stash them everywhere. That happened to me last week. I was getting ready to like take everything out. I was p- by the time I got to the spot, I realized I forgot my headlamp. I didn't know where I put it. And that's why Banded put a light in their <laughs> red zone elite yes. waders. Well, so I got the boat pulled out of the truck, decoys in the boat and all this. I go to put on my waders. I'm like, did I put these in the pocket of my waders? I pulled my headlamp out. That's <laughs> nice. When you yes. when you've, you've gave up hope and lost it, but you find it. Yeah. And that's what I need to do. I need to put one in the center console of my truck, one in the pocket of my waders, and like one in my double spinning wing backpack, one in the pocket of my jacket. Because 
rarely do I have all of that at once. A lot of times it's just, you know, a nice heavy pullover and a vest. Don't always need that big jacket. So I don't take the big jacket and then I grab the double spinning wing pack or I just need more. Yeah. Plain and simple. I just need more. Yeah. Prep season. uh, I'm bad at it, but I usually do it like the two nights before. So you'll see me the day before Big Duck buying six volts (laughs) or a 24 pack of double A's because either I don't maintain the six volts during the off season for like spinning wings. So a lot of times I'll try to charge them like two nights before, wake up the next morning, the day before duck hunting, you know, big duck opener, and I'll check it and see if I got any life. And if it doesn't, I got to go buy six volt batteries. So check your batteries before season. Yes. Um, grab double A's if you have any items that use double A's. You know, that's one thing I always, always forget sometimes. Oh, I meant to grab double A's or D's for wonder ducks or something like that. And uh, you're just not using that motorized decoy that day. But I don't try to think of anything else. Headlamps, batteries, that stuff. Kind of it, the it never hurts stuff. to have extra headlamps, too, because somebody, if you're with a party, is going to forget one. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to have a backup yeah. just for that person. Let your buddy borrow it or something. Yeah, we should make a contraption that straps your phone to your head, and then you turn your flashlight on. That works, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think uh, I of mean, what else I do. I mean, Josh, you have a bunch of boat stuff that you're you're constantly going through, and mm-hmm. you have like dry bags and stuff like set aside for like, okay, this has anything like my life jacket or anything boat related, and that kind of stays together, and you don't ever leave it. So I use a dry bag anytime I'm in a boat because camera gear can't get wet. So if I'm taking the kayak or the new layout boat, I'm taking the dry bag with me. And that becomes my blind bag. So game tote, calls, shells, anything I'm taking on the hunt, it's got to be taken out of one bag and put into another one. So if I'm not going in the boat, I use the Elite Double Spinning Wing bag as blind bag because it just has so much room for everything. And each item has a particular spot in that bag. So I know if something's missing. So it can be kind of tricky to remember everything, but as long as it's all in that same bag and you're just taking it from that bag and putting it in another one, it's really not too big of an issue. But in my life jacket, since I've got a motor boat now, I have to have a whistle in the boat, so I just keep it in a pocket of the life mm-hmm. jacket. Just got to make sure I grab the right life jacket every time. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think anything else. Check your chokes. I know I've gone out. On opening day with an improved cylinder, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't a big deal. <laughs> get them close enough, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna yeah. get them. But yeah. you know, it's not my, you know, whatever I was shooting that well, jibs or. There's been times too that you go out, you pull your gun out of the case. That's the full turkey, turkey choke. choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like well, all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Check that. Kayak paddles. Yeah. You gotta remember I, the kayak paddles. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That you, you're not going anywhere without them. Nope, <laughs> done no. that before too. You get what I do is like I start driving, and you know, like you hit that midpoint getting to wherever you're hunting. You start running through your checklist again, thinking, "Do I have my decoys? Yeah. Do I have my waders? Yeah. Do I have my kayak paddles? Crap. You yeah. Gotta turn around, head back, get your kayak paddles. Yeah. Try to do that checkpoint, like the stop sign before you leave your road <laughs> yeah. or your neighborhood or something, you know? Yeah. But I mean, at that point, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. You've been awake for 10 minutes. Shoot, this morning, I forgot my lunch and I'd turn around a mile down the road and go get my lunch from home. So, mornings aren't good with me and like functioning and getting everything in my head right before coffee. So, coffee that, first yeah. and then. I can function. I so do. I guess what we're getting at here is the night before you go, <laughs> yes, line everything out. Snacks and included. Yes. Snacks are important. You will forget those if you don't do that. Um, yeah, I said you have to buy them at the gas station. It I just gets expensive. My, yeah, my Yeti thermos goes next to the coffee pot, so I know to take it, fill it. I'll get some snacks. Yeah, I mean, the gas station stop. Yeah, that's inevitable, but I always like a few extra snacks that live in my double spinning wing backpack during the season. There's always one thing of crushed up pop tarts in my I'm, bag. I'm gonna see mm-hmm. how far this year I can go in duck season without a gas station stop. Now, I'm, if I have to get gas, it's different. I'm talking about. But like I'm gonna have, food. I'm gonna have coffee from home, and I'm gonna have some type of Cliff Bar or something from from my house mm-hmm. that is going with me. I'm I did not, that last year. You did. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go by the local QT, you know, 
But the the but warm taquitos in the morning, <laughs> dude. I'm telling you, the iced honey buns, the Casey's breakfast pizza. Yep. Come Casey's on. pizza runs through my veins from about September to January. Hands down, the best pizza around. Oh my for gosh. gas station for gas pizza. station pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or four o'clock in the morning pizza. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. But I clean my gun the night before. So every time. No. Just opening day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. 365 days later, the opening day. I usually clean mine no, I probably clean it after, after season. season because it it's looking pretty rough. Chunks of mud and stuff. I mean, it's pretty rough after season, so I clean it after season and before turkey season. Yeah. I clean mine probably once a week. Yeah. Just because mine gets so wet in the boat. I imagine, well, I mean, so, yeah, you hopping in waders and out of kayaks, like, you don't have a dry floor anywhere. No. So. No. My gun barrel is more rust yeah. than black finish. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Some people would probably be crying if their gun looked like mine. Yeah, man. It's a tool, man. You can go out and use it. That's right. What's your favorite snack? Pop-Tarts? Pop-Tarts are one of those things that my parents never let me have as a kid. Ah. So now that I'm older and grown up, <laughs> that's like my go-to snack. What flavor? Ooh. I really like the cinnamon roll Pop-Tarts. Those are good. But cherry, blueberry, strawberry, I don't discriminate, actually. Chandler? The cinnamon. Cinnamon? Is it, is it cinnamon brown sugar? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's classic. And then strawberry right after that. But I don't like s'mores. I don't like uh, I'm not a huge not, fan of the s'mores. I don't like the s'mores. No, it's just. They made one, like, that was, like, funfetti. It was, like, cake flavored what? or something. It was, like, amazing. No, I, I came up with the cinnamon brown sugar original OG. I don't know if there was one before that. You know, but I feel like that was the original. Those ones are pretty good. The you ever original. warmed one up on a buddy heater in an A-frame? I have not. No, I don't think That's so. That's the way to do it. I've warmed them up, but I don't think I've done it on an A-frame in, or in the in a buddy heater or anything like that. Mm-mm. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like it. You could warm it up maybe through your um, your dash vents, driving the where I've done that. Yeah. That was like five years ago, but I remember doing that. Honey buns used to always be in my bag. Mm-hmm. That was a go-to. I'm eating healthy this year, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody says at the beginning of the season. I've, I've done it. Cheetos. I've done it pretty well for a while. Yes. I used to get those, like, the big bags with the little bags in them with chips. Mm. Grab a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. Dots pretzels. Pretzels are good, too. All right, so now everybody has their yeah. their favorite idea, or they're hungry. Yes, I, which for is the, me for the snacks they're gonna get prepared for on opening day. But hot chocolate. I mean, yeah, I mean, checklist the night before, lay it all out. You know, I wouldn't say go around the house and look at it and say, "Oh, there it is, there it is," and then try to do it on the morning. No, lay it all out. Spot. Lay it out. And don't put and, it by the front. Yeah, door. put it by the door you're leaving out of. Mm-hmm. So you just. You don't have to remember to go, oh, yeah, okay, the, the waiters are here, the waiters are, you know, the, the bag is here, and the, you know where the decoys are or whatever, and you forget that one thing in a closet somewhere. Shells. I've you forgotten know. ammo before. Oh, yeah. We you, should we should taking make, pictures that day. Yeah, <laughs> we should much. make a checklist and post it. Yeah. We sh- let's do that. We'll do a checklist. Yes. Like a, like a duck hunting checklist. Yeah. I think that's a great idea because, yeah. I'm sure there's. I'll add something to it, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah," I and then people will start commenting on it and adding things. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. We can gr- it can grow by the time it hits big duck opener here. <laughs> it can we could have a fifty fifty line checklist for everybody to follow. <laughs> um, but so getting out here this year, you're getting yourself prepped. You got tons of people maybe opening day or potentially throughout the beginning part of the season or the whole season, you're going to have maybe some competition. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on – so where was the place where you were dove hunting that you had a bunch of people? Or not where. You don't tell me exactly where. Keep it a secret. But was it close to a city? No. Was it, to- it was out there in nowhere. Yeah. That's interesting. See, the place – teal season, the place that was decently packed was within – 45 minutes of the outskirts of the greater Kansas City area. One of my thoughts or theories was that since it was a place so close to, you know, a city, a a population, that it might have been slammed with a bunch of hunters who 
weren't working, didn't have anything to do, or it's just kind of one of the activities that they're going to get into this this fall season. I didn't know if the the farther travel would help your 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 odds of getting maybe the best spot. Or it's hard to say. People are unpredictable. I mean, there's definitely spots in the state where you know there's going to be more people hunting it, mm-hmm. but it's hard to say who's going to travel and who's not. Yeah. Are we are we trying to are we trying to be there a little bit earlier this year? I hope not. I really hope not. I don't know if like these us as waterfowlers are just have to get in the habit of doing some. Can we just make a new rule of just don't <laughs> don't show up to the marsh until like three forty five? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a race, guys. We I didn't work if, it out. I don't know if waterfowlers are gonna have to kind of do some of the. Some of the fun stuff, like you know, maybe elk hunters do or anything like that, where they're just sleeping bags and uh, pitching camp. And how about we just have a a four thirty meeting in the parking lot and yeah. say, "Okay, we're going to do a mega spread today. <laughs> Everybody, stay six feet apart." Yeah. yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's okay. Social distancing, one thing, but that is one thing that you could, that I bet could really help some new friendships and whatnot is some, you know, in the past we didn't run into a ton of people where we hunt, but you know, sometimes when we did, if it was a small area and it didn't really, you know, you have two guys and then one other guy shows up by himself. We invited the the single, Mm -hmm. the guy by himself to come join our, you know, join our squad party, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you meet cool new people and you can combine some decoys, combine some motion. You can pick the best spot for everybody. Yeah. That's a lot of good things that come out of that. So you might have some more opportunities to do that. But on the other hand, you don't know who they are and how safe they hunt or if they've ever hunted before or anything like that. So it's kind of a toss up between there, but it would be nice to have, you know, those parking lot conversations, Mm -hmm. talking to people like either before or after the hunt instead of like, I've noticed over the years, it's, it's been a lot of like defensiveness in the waterfowl community. I agree. Especially when it comes down to like parking lots and getting to your spot on public land, just talk to people. Like everybody's a person. Everybody likes duck hunting. We're all in the same, same boat here. Trying to do the same thing. Yeah. No, we've always, we, you know, a lot of places we've hunt, we've had a, a good, good turnout. Usually we'll get there pretty early and, and then somebody usually gets there right after we do in not too long, you know, 50, we're, we're about ready. You know, they kind of see that we're there, we're about ready to jump out, but then we'll have the, we'll sit down and talk and see we're about, you know, we're going over here. They're, you know, you know, they, they say they, maybe they're wanting to go to the same spot, but now they have to go to a different spot. We'll discuss like, Hey, I would, I would go there. Cause you know, we know the whole, you know, usually the whole area, mm-hmm. very familiar with it. And we'd help them out and try to pick, have a spot that both parties could do well. Yeah. I've had that happen before too, where I show up to a marsh I've never hunted before, never even laid eyes on it. I talked to somebody in the parking lot. I'm like, yeah, we're thinking about maybe going over that way, try it out, see how it goes. And he's like, no, you want to go over there. That's a decent spot. Not a bad walk. You're going to have a good, good luck there. And, and it worked out. I mean, we shot 10 ducks that day. Yeah. But then you always got on opening day, you always got to deal with the 15 minutes before shooting light party. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're always there. It's every, every time. And they, and then it's, then it's like a gamble. Who are they going to set up in between mm-hmm. or right next set to up in front of? Yeah. So you got to watch out for those people, you know, shine your headlamp, but it still doesn't matter. Let them know where you're at or you try at least, but yeah. some people throw disregard to that and like, it's like they don't see you even though there's four people with headlamps. Mm-hmm. They just completely ignore it, which is unfortunate, but. So know. thinking about the big reservoir that we hunt, you know, sometimes I, sometimes on good days or front days, I wish there was more hunters on, mm-hmm. on bigger water. To keep the birds stirred Correct. up. Oh yeah. Could be a blessing in disguise this year. Mm-hmm. Cause there's been some days and, and granted it is, you know, we'd be out there on a weird, like a Wednesday and the front came through, it's four degrees or 11 mm-hmm. degrees. We're walking out there and there's a little bit of snow on the ground and not a ton of people out there hunting because it was a weekday. It was really cold, but we knew it, you know, we'd keep the ice off and we'd keep it open. It's going to be an awesome morning hunt. Mm-hmm. If you had a couple more people kicking things up, it might, you know, those days might've been even better. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny how, like, 
we all want to have like this community of waterfowlers and have this friendly atmosphere, but we all love having the marsh to ourselves. True. That's true. And it's tough too, because you want the marsh to yourself, but yet you want to see more dollars go to conservation and then way more dollars go to conservation is through more people hunting and more people in the field. So, so then yeah. you get more marshes built. Yes, exactly. So it's, yeah, it's kind of a catch 22, but I enjoy it all. Oh yeah. Take the competition out of it. You know, go out there and have a blast. Agreed. Meet some new people. But would you guys ever like you let's say you're hunting a marsh, there's one other group hunting it. And it's about seven forty five between like the morning flight and like the mid morning flight. They've been banging away on them all morning. You haven't fired a shot. Would you go over there and ask them, like you're hunting by yourself, would you go over there and ask them, Hey, could I join you guys? No. No, like I would like I'm not hunting with two or three other guys, but literally just, just by myself. Just by yourself, and there's like two other guys hunting 400 yards down, and they they've been banging on them. Maybe, I guess it. I don't know. I mean, if I knew who they were, yeah. <laughs> I you know what? Even if I didn't, I would say I would say fifty fifty chance that I probably would. Mm-hmm. More likely, I think I would, just because, like, what, what, I mean, one guy is not, I mean, if it's a group of three or four guys, I don't think you'd want to, just because that's kind of like, that's getting a big group, but if you're by yourself, I figure, you know, why not? They may be cool dudes, then you may meet them, and they may have other spots to hunt, or, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think I would. I take that back, it'd be more than a 50% chance, I probably would. Yeah, I don't know if I would, especially with the cameras. Well, yeah. That'd be a little weird. Yeah, a little bit sure. different scenario. I'd probably stay out of it, watch, sit back and watch, tip my hat, and hopefully they limit out and then... And then slip in there. And then, I don't know if I'd I might go talk move. to them at the end of the hunt. I'd, yeah. For sure, I would talk to them at the end of the hunt. Now, would well, I go down there and join them so in the middle yeah, of the so hunt? Yeah, so say that 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they're done. Man, they're just, they're all giggling, yeah. happy, jumping around, heading out of there. Would you go just wait till they're gone and then slide over would you go oh i'd slip in there yeah i definitely would slip in there but i think i'd meet them and talk to them before they got out of there and just say you know yeah i don't know i like talking with people i like hanging out with people yeah like i maybe i view it a little bit different some people are like really like you were talking about really competitive really just kind of grumpy when it comes to stuff like that but i'm just i'm totally the opposite i'm like come on let's hunt let's do whatever yeah. i don't know my attitude's probably a little different than a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's granted sometimes there's things like, I mean, last year we had a, a a tough incident. We had a permanent blind that was had our name on it, and we had four, we had four guys going out to that blind that day, and somebody was in it, you know, an hour before shooting light. Um, which is which is fair, but the the, the rule is if you know it. You can hunt other people's blinds as long as they're not there, but when they're there, that's their blind. As long as they show up before daylight, right? Correct. As long as they show up before shooting light, that's the rule. So these guys were there. I really wanted to just let them hang out, but the problem was we were had we had a, a group of four guys, and they would have made seven. And there was not enough birds in the state of Missouri for us <laughs> at the time to hunt seven guys off this one spot. Mm-hmm. Seven's a lot. It is a lot. It's a little hectic. And like you said, you don't know them. But, you know, I, I hated the fact that I had to, to tell them to move down a couple coves or whatever. And they had their own decoys. But our decoys were already there. And we had built this blind. And, and that's, you know, I didn't want to. Um, if it was by myself, I might not have done anything. Because they've already made that effort. Mm-hmm. But we had four people that there that day. And... It wouldn't have been fun for everybody if, you know, there just wasn't enough activity for even four people probably on that day. So it was just a little overkill for something like that. That's tough, yeah. Seven is a lot. Yeah. But I'm, I've seen, I've had some great days sitting back and watching a group just tear them up and then they're out, 10 o'clock rolls around, the big green heads come back at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock rush and then we're just the only one there and it's just we're the, the hottest thing That's in the marsh mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, ducks are in the area. They, you know, they might have scouted that spot and they found where they want to be at. Remember that, maybe for next time. But, you know, I would, I would honestly sit back and watch them do there. I wouldn't pull, you know, don't call over top of them or anything like that. You're not trying to fight for birds. Um, they're swinging them. Let them, let them swing the other party. So, uh, you know, if you don't know what, you know, hopefully you know what that means. If the birds come in, they take a look at that spread, and they're actually sw- circling that spread. Mm-hmm. You don't hit them on their corners. You, you, you just be quiet, and we'll let those birds work them. If they do decide to dip out and they didn't like something, now's your turn to give mm-hmm. it a shot. But they got to kind of give that stretch neck going away look before you you know if they keep swinging in circles just don't even mess with it because you're just making it harder for them and yourself the birds are confused there's mm-hmm. 50 spinners out there and ducks everywhere you know yelling at them so let them do their thing but i'm excited are you prepared i am not, not anywhere <laughs> close no <laughs> No, not yet. I haven't done the whole mental checklist. I haven't located everything. Like that's that's usually the week of. So no, I am not prepared. I'm still trying to decide what type of floating decoys I'm going to run. Because I've put the ringer through. But you still have a shed full. The six dozen. I want to give those to a buddy of mine who's who's just well. He went on two hunts last year, and he's just starting this year. They're old GHG. I mean, they're great decoys still. They're old pro grades from four, five, six, seven years ago. But I don't know. I've seen I, – I sit and stare at decoys as, yeah, all day long. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> um, so I haven't decided if I'm going to part ways with some of my decoys and, and get some new floaters. But that's one thing i got to figure out. i got to figure, figure out spinning wings decoys too because I put a ringer through my twin pack last year. The twin pack is probably two or three years old. Whenever we first came out with that twin pack, mm-hmm. like they're two Lucky Juniors, a Drake and a Hemp pair, six volt batteries, go with remotes, all the new little, the newer style system with the USB remote receiver, all that good stuff. I think they're, I got it when the, the first year they came out. I ended up either getting them soaked and then left them all year or they got rained on. I don't know. They were just completely a rust bucket last year. So I had to do. I had to hardwire like Emergency the battery surgery. to the motor to have them run last year, which is annoying. So I gotta, I gotta get new spinners this year. They 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 did great, and it was my fault that I let them sit in a bucket of water. It looked like a, I still let them sit in a bucket of water, um, and that's why we have the Lucky Duck HDI spinning wing decoy that is waterproof. Yes, um, but you make sure your your spinning wing decoys are dry. You know, you'd be no problem. But what else do we need to talk about as far as preseason, like pregame? I don't know. If you got a duck boat, make sure that motor runs. Mm-hmm. I've been with some buddies who, I've been with multiple buddies, is like, you get out there and like, motor's not doing it. Well, we got to push it or not use it. So we kind of go scratching our head, like, well, we we're going to bring everything in the kitchen sink. Now we got to start selecting. A little bits to because we're having to ditch the boat. Get that boat running. Get it running good. Tune up. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Josh, on what have we missed? Have we missed anything as far as like? I don't think so. Hopefully, this was helpful. One thing that get out there and shoot clay. It is. It doesn't seem important, but I usually like to try and make sure I've got a full tank of gas the night before, because or not the night before opening day, but before I go hunting, because there's so many times where I'm getting a text, "Hey, are you coming?" <laughs> and that's waking me up, and I'm 20 minutes late, and stopping for gas, an extra 10 minute stop for gas is not. Mm-hmm. So, gas yeah. sometimes. I say you can get out and shoot some clay targets before. Yes. seems like sometimes opening day, it's kind of like you're starting to get back in the groove of leading and all that stuff. If you get out, I think, the week before season, get a fresh round of some, some good, fun clay shooting, you might be just a step closer where that first that first perfect greenhead mallard coming in. That never happens on opening day. <laughs> no. Never. Not in my experience. 
No, they usually teal flying first thing, and you shoot with your eyes closed, and yeah, and no, everything's that, flying everywhere. And everybody's taking forty yard shots, and mm-hmm. birds no. don't know where to go. It's a, I hate openers. <laughs> it's a poetic chaos. That's fact. So yeah, getting ready for duck season in a pandemic. The draw system is completely different in Missouri this year. Yep, I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, it's not everybody show up and draw pills. Yeah. So you said they don't have that system in Kansas. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. I've never encountered it. It's just public ground is open and you do your thing. Yep. Don't hunt the refuge. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. But now not all conservation areas are like that in Missouri. There are some that, you know, it's just open water and... Free for all. Yeah. But this year they're not doing the draw system. But, I mean, that's kind of nice. It's not, you're not showing up at 3 in the morning and then you draw pill 60 and instantly you know that when they hunt 35 parties. So I, haven't, got, I haven't checked the last email. Do you know what they're doing on some of those places? I saw the last email. They had, they had, they had like colors, like codes for like what the safety precaution, what's it going to be like for this year? And I felt like, I don't know. I, I don't, and I'm not well informed right now to talk about this. Uh, I didn't know if we're drawing the night before or the, do you know anything about that? No, because I probably am not even going to participate in that just because like, you know, Brown or something like that. It's not. Brown's not open. Yeah, exactly. So that's why that, that's the one spot I usually went to. I know Nottaway Valley too, but Brown's the one place I usually went to to do that. And since it's not open, I haven't really put much thought or effort into trying to figure out the draw system. Yeah. They got COVID-19 procedure levels for waterfowl management areas. So, you know, I'm just, we won't cover, spend a lot of time because no. we have listeners all over the world. But, you know, like all these places that are pretty hot, Fountain Grove, Four Rivers, Grand Pass, Montrose, uh, Nottoway Valley, they're all like what they call green. So other things are called like 10 Mile Pond is a yellow. They have different like color ratings for this stuff. And a, a green is a limited facility. 50% reservations allocated. Um, hunting parties would be able to select their hunt location. There is a poor line for no-shows or 50% of the hunt, you know, mm-hmm. for no-shows. So that is the green. So that's what's still available for some of those, not always included in that. Um, yeah. So the different, go check that out if you're in Missouri. Your red level is... No staff hunter contact, no facility use. No facility use? No toilets. Oh. No. <laughs> I was like I was like no facility as in like the conservation so, yeah, area, like the facility or is like red level will be hunt positions will be pre assigned, no poor line, no vacancy filling. So hundred percent at re- reservation allocations for residents only through in season draw. So that's a red level, most restrictive. So there it seems pretty lax. Um, Are there very many red? Actually, right now, there's none. Okay. So there is some orange. I can't imagine dealing with that system. No. Showing up and then being like, well, I guess I can't hunt today. Picked the wrong number. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get get used to it. You go up there. It's early enough to where you have time to still beat maybe the later later crowd and get to another spot. That's Mm -hmm. what we do. I mean, we always have plan B. We get get there. You know, usually, hopefully, you get drawn in. If you don't, you have a spot an hour away, and you're still talking getting there two hours before so for shooting light. So that's early, especially if you got to drive an hour and a half or two hours to get there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the whole the old joke right now. I've seen, um, you know, the elk hunters get up at a certain time, deer hunters getting up at a certain time, and duck hunters are like get up, we want to go to sleep. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what. Some of the big days out there duck duck hunting on public land for us is. Absolutely. If we got a spot, we you know, it might not be. It's not five minutes down the road, maybe a few hours. If we're going to be there that morning, we got to leave at 2 a.m. And then we're sitting around at midnight saying, what's the point of going to sleep? (laughs) I've said that so many times. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking at the alarms on my phone that, I mean, I've just, I've had in here for years. Oh, I just deleted all mine. I've got seven alarms that are even before 5 a.m. Because my alarm was the duck 
noise. Oh, yeah. Drives my wife nuts. Really? She hates it. So I I just deleted everything and started making new ones. Yeah, I've got seven alarms that well, are even before 5 a.m. We can pre-record a goose alarm. sound and use it as your alarm. Oh, man, she'd hate that even more. <laughs> That'd be or awesome. Electronic snow goose call. That's, oh, there we go. Oh, no. You hear that in your sleep. Yes, you yeah. do. You could, you could hook up like some type of timer to the power cord to a snow goose call and just... No. <laughs> no. He wants to stay married. Yeah. Insane. Yes. Anything else we need to talk about? I, I got so think. many things I need to do now. I want to yeah. go home right now and start straightening things up. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. My garage is a mess. After I'm in the middle of moving, so I'm, I have an unfair advantage because I think I've touched everything once, like, in the past week. All your yeah. hunting stuff. So yeah. you kind of have a ballpark of where it's at. A lot of it got, you know, like, organized into totes and stuff. Or, and then, mm. you know, so I've, I've got a lucky step. That was not because I wanted to get prepared. That was because I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, my stuff's all all scattered now because I've been hunting for. Yeah. Oh yeah. A month and a half. Once it gets rolling and we're hunting like most mornings, it's it's pretty nuts. Yep. Well, if we if we think we covered what we need to, then yeah. I guess we could just I mean, wrap it on up. Yeah, it's good. I'm excited. Next week, I'm gonna try to get out and shoot some clays. Um, and then after that, it's it's. It's on. It's game time. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, go ahead and give us a subscribe. That way you're going to get a notification every time we put out a new podcast. Chandler, what else should they do? Go to our uh, social media pages and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, get a subscribe to YouTube channel. We do uh, product reviews there. If we do a live or a recorded video podcast, we'll put them up on YouTube also. And then uh, giveaways is a great part of our social media as well. And then we just want to thank you guys for what you guys do and support us so we can do stuff like this. Yeah, if you guys wasn't for you guys' support, we couldn't keep doing the podcast or all the social media and the videos you guys love. Yeah, so thank you.